Hello and welcome to this week's Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Neil Wilson, Chief Markets Analyst at Markets.com. How are you doing, Neil? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks, John. Yeah, all good. Excellent. And uh, actually, a, a fairly regular contributor to the Investors Chronicle as well. Uh, yeah, now no, and again, when, when you take my stuff. Yeah. Well, we, we, we'll always take your stuff. It was great. I mean, you did the big Brexit piece for us uh, yeah. a week or so. Ago. Yeah, that was, um, well, of course, the thing is that we haven't actually had Brexit, so it's waiting, that, that one. Yeah, it was a bit of a troublesome feature, that, because obviously, as we've approached that, Headline, yeah, like, things are not going quite as we expected them to. But then that has been the nature of that whole political enterprise. It is uh, almost impossible to read. Totally impossible. I knew. I mean, I don't know if we'll actually leave on the thirty first of January now. <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm so tired. It, of it. could be forever. <laughs> <laughs> and you've written about uh, cannabis. We, we always get you to write about the really interesting stuff. So cannabis. Yeah, cannabis. Uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, you're you're a critic. I am definitely a, a critic of cryptocurrencies, I think, as the Times referred to me once. Excellent. Well, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's on my Twitter bio now. I, I did notice, actually, along with your uh, your uh, family motto. Yes. <laughs> I won't go into that one. <laughs> so, yeah, you get to write about all the interesting stuff for us. And obviously, you're a big, big uh, observer of what's going on in the markets and uh, regularly interviewed on various television channels and by various newspapers. You've been busy today with the MPC decision. Yeah, yeah. So the MPC obviously was, well, a little bit more dovish than we thought, I think, with the the, the 7 2 vote and the sort of leaning, the slightly change forward guidance about, you know, whether uh, the, the tightening would be appropriate or not. Um, so essentially, we had seven people voting for enough, no change. Yeah. And two voting for a cut. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is the significance of that? Well, I think the thing is, for the, the Bank of England's kind of been out on a limb a little bit versus, say, the Fed and the ECB and others um, in, in maintaining this tightening bias within its minutes, within the statement, the policy statement. Um, and no one bought it, of course. The market wasn't actually buying that as, as actually truthful. Um, but the, the MPC was sticking to it. But today seems to be the first sort of real crack that, that they're not not actually leaning that way, that they've, they've, they're coming around to where the market thinks, which is probably in the next move is going to be a cut. When, when do you think that might happen? I think um, given that it was a 7-2 split, given that there's an election at the moment, that maybe you might have seen a stronger push for a cut this time um, had there not been an election. Um, because, you know, obviously the bank doesn't want to be seen to be political. Well, not all the time, anyway. Carney's actually quite—he was quite circumspect today. Didn't criticise Boris Johnson's deal as heavily as I think he he would have done uh, had it not been for the election again. So I think maybe maybe looking in the new year, if things haven't picked up globally, is that is that the concern that that we're just seeing a general slowdown? Yeah, sort of starting to filter through not just the UK but 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 everywhere. Yeah, that's it. It's a global slowdown. So the two main risks that they've got are these Brexit uncertainties um and um global slowdown. So and when they mean uncertainties they they, they mean, you know, businesses maybe delaying spending, delaying decision making because of they don't know when the date is and they you know they keep stockpiling and then having to use it all up and and just all that uncertainty that which is just I think just limiting the growth just a touch. What what do you think's uh, behind the, the the bigger picture the global picture and what what's what's the concern there? Uh, well, I mean, I guess we're, you know, we're at the point of a cycle. I think we've, we've come through a long, uh, expansion, uh, we had cycles, what are they? <laughs> <laughs> Something that I never get on, that's for sure. I think, you know, we've had the expansion, we had synchronized global growth in 2017, I think. And then, um, through the back end of 2018, it's that everything started to peter out. The PMI started deteriorating. 
I just think we're in we're just in that cycle at the bottom of the cycle maybe um and just some signs maybe that the PMIs are just hitting the hitting the the bottom of of the chart if you like and and will start to pick up actually in the next year or two. Yeah, did you, I mean presumably helps along by I mean the, the Fed obviously cut 2 weeks ago. Yeah, it's for the third time. For the third time. And it's conducting these repo market operations which is basically a form of QE but they they're not calling it QE but it's loading uh it's loading up the balance sheet. Um, and injecting liquidity into the market, so you know it's QE by any other by any other name. And the ECB's been fairly accommodative, certainly prior to the uh, prior to Draghi's uh, yeah retirement from that. Well, I mean he he threw he role. threw yeah he threw he threw everything at it um, in his last uh, second to last meeting. Um, more QE, even more negative rates. Um, I mean, as far as the ECB goes, it's, I don't see how it can push things any further. It's pushed that the envelope as far as it can go. So I think I think Lagarde's going to be um, the new the new ECB boss is going to be pushing the the politicians to 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 spend more. Yeah, so it's a fiscal stimulation yeah. rather than the, the monetary stimulation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Where's the firepower now? You know, if if things really are at the bottom, or if things aren't at the bottom, uh, and that's quite possible still. What comes next? Yeah, I mean, and the, I think, I think you're seeing it in the UK actually, Sajid Javid coming out saying that they'll be spending more. You know, that's kind of what he, he his statement um, on Thursday, just talking about the, uh, the the plans to borrow more. And I think that's where whether you look at Labour policy or Tory policy, it's all it's massive spending. Well, it does it does make sense. I mean, it's a good time to borrow. I mean, that's, yeah, borrow very cheaply. So yeah, although government gil- yields have very just gone up a bit because of it. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, of course. But uh, but yeah. So uh, anyway, I mean, who knows what that what when what do you mm. uh, do for stock markets? I mean, they, you know, they have. Despite this sort of troublesome backdrop, I mean, they haven't been doing too badly. Certainly, the US is, you know, S and P five hundred hitting new highs still. Um, even even the UK you know, indices have been doing reasonably well, considering. Yeah, that's uh, and I think you know, as long as you've got that central bank support, investors are are getting pushed into equities, and they they, they do get that um, you know little help up the risk curve, as we say, you know, just to, just because there's just no. There's there's nothing in bonds because the the, the central banks are, are 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 so dominant there. Um, I think you know with more spending, if you got fiscal boost in the UK and in potentially in Europe, if the Germans ever go for it, unlikely maybe, but it might happen. If there's a recession in Germany, they might be forced to. Um, they might sell it as a kind of environmental thing. Ah yes, um, wasn't that yeah. uh, greenwashing? <laughs> greenwashing government policy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's got to be good. I mean, the thing is, they probably should have done it a few a few years back. That might have actually been the time to do it. They're they're always just maybe just a touch behind. But but politically, it's been tough in the UK because of George Osborne's targets and self imposed targets. Um, but actually, maybe three four years ago might have been the time to do it. Yeah, well, that's. Oh, I see you've got something on on greenwashing. I have. Yeah, this is a this is a really interesting report came out of uh, SCM uh, Direct, which is the asset management firm headed up by Alan Miller and the famous Gina Miller. Ah, uh, right. This 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 report is about um, well, it's it's a it's a very critical report of the, the asset management industry essentially uh, mislabeling lots of products as as ESG. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and obviously they. Actually, they don't have an issue with, uh, with, you know, with certain um, what you might call vice 
shares being included in in you know particular ESG portfolios what they're what they're critical of is the lack of transparency you can't actually see that yeah. their point being that you know ethical judgments about stocks and shares are, are kind of quite a personal thing um you've just got to know what you're buying mm-hmm. I think I think it's a very fair point it's, it's something I picked up in my editorial actually ah interesting because we wrote about yeah. defense as our cover feature which is in that bracket isn't it of yeah. being a bit uh, some investors might not like it yeah, but, but but you know, it doesn't feel very nice. Defense, you know, it's it's bombs and guns and planes and weapons of war and and whatnot. But what you, you really can't live without it. No. This, this is the this is the weird thing. But you maybe can, I guess, live without um, what other vice stocks and other other vice sectors are we talking about? Mining. I mean, uh, can we live without mining? No, well, I, I doubt it. So. I mean, how, so. how, do you, how do you make solar panels without yeah. the raw materials to go into them? How do you make uh, yeah. the batteries for electric vehicles without the, uh, the the raw materials to go in them? Precisely. I just saw actually, um, BH, I think it was BHP got um, lambasted by investors because they were, although they have quite a, a, a strong target to be emissions uh, neutral by 2050, they're part of um, they're part of lobbying groups that are less keen on pushing environmental issues i mean not a big surprise when you think about it australian i think it's some australian mining lobby group that's what they're in that's their business of course they're going to be members of these organizations the world is a messy place (laughs) (laughs) i mean no what what, what actually was a line i removed from that you know we would like the world to be this wonderful you know socially aware you know environmentally clean thing but that's just not that's just not reality no, that's I, not how people are, how businesses are. Uh, so I think, you know, this is all the direction of travel is great. I think you know, the reality for investors is it will take time. Um, so, yeah, I, for I, sure. I, 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 I think, yeah, the, the sort of headlong rush into ESG, I think, is, <laughs> is yeah, you know, it's, it's admirable, but I think it, it may be sort of uh, uh, kind of just a bit haphazard. Slow, slower coming than, than it's made out. Uh, absolutely. And everyone's going to be... Um, gunning for the Aramco IPO soon anyway. But so. we're not getting any, are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're very environmentally friendly. Uh, well, no, no. <laughs> uh, did you see the, uh, I don't know if you noticed, the Stock Exchange, uh, the London Stock Exchange actually changed its um, yeah. sector criteria. A few, few months ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. They, they, they got rid of oil, oil and gas producers, I think was the big sector that the likes of Shell and BP sat in and they changed, they created a new sector called uh, non-renewable energy. Uh, and so all the, all these big oil companies, which are amongst the biggest companies on the UK market, went into this sector. And then the Saudi Aramco deal got sort of revitalised, the Saudi Aramco IPO, and, and all of a sudden the stock exchange turns around and says, actually, we're going we're gonna to reverse that and do something. <laughs> I can't remember what they call it now. Uh, oil, gas and coal, I think it might be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I, I think Gina Miller has a point with this, uh, this sort of greenwashing thing. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. there is a, a long way to go there. And transparency, absolutely, is key. Um, I mean, there is one sector this week that's, uh, the, whose, whose societal value is definitely questionable, and I would suggest that that is gambling. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Well, I'm not a big fan of gambling, I have to say. The, yeah, I mean, the bookies have been in for a bit of a, bit of a torrid time with the fixed odd betting terminals, um, that, that stake reduction on that, down to £2, that's whacked their, um, their earnings. Um, and now this all parliamentary group on, uh, I think, I can't remember the exact name, on gambling-related harm. Um, it's the gambling-related harm all-party par- parliamentary group. 
Does that does that read anything? No, yeah. it doesn't. It's a crap acronym. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they are they've just pushed for um, further limits on particularly on online sort of casino games down to two pounds as well. Um, so some because we did see this, the the stock sell quite sharply on that as a down. I think we saw sort of ten percent type dips on on the Monday. Um, yeah, the worst hit I think was William Hill, which was down about thirteen percent this week. And a company called GameSys, which as far as our, our analysis suggests, has the most UK online exposure to this, this particular threat. So, uh, they, and they were down about the same. So, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty substantial. But, but, I mean, there is, there is a school of thought that this won't happen. This yeah. is, this is uh, a political move ahead of an election. It is, and I think, you know, they, they've... they've sorted out the fixed odd betting terminals and i think the industry as a whole that has come together quite i think they they were shocked by 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 that and they, they are coming together and they're you know doing much more self uh self-policing and, and stuff like that to really um clean things up and so i think i think they've that this is this is one small group of part of, of mps many of them might not be in parliament come december um so it's certainly not government policy. It's not any. I, I haven't seen it on any of the manifestos. But, but that's that's a suggestion that basically this is this has come up now, been pushed, being pushed by this this group to try and get it included in the manifestos, which yeah. are still being written essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, it's not a sector I, I I I would invest in personally. I I think there are too many regulatory risks hanging over it. But but you've got some research from uh, from one broker that's that's a bit more bullish. Yeah, RBC. Um, they they have produced a, a sort of update saying you know more modelling worst case scenarios and and so on. Um, but they just point out that that basically it's high it's high margin industry still um, twenty six to thirty eight percent EBITDA margins across the sector. Um, and they like a sort of basket of, of of all these companies to get the U.S. exposure. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so a lot of, I mean, the U.S. Situa- situation when it comes to uh, gambling is a very strange one. I mean, they're going back some time now, but I mean, it was, it was essentially criminalised across the whole country, and, and a lot of UK companies got caught up in that. But that all seems to be swinging the other way now, and this opportunity has potentially opened up, and a lot of a lot of UK companies have been positioning themselves to to get back in there. Yeah, there's a, been a big scramble, I think, to, to try and get this um, this industry, which could be worth billions and billions of dollars. But we we yet to really see it quite play out. I think I think it's gonna it might be a bit slower to happen than than maybe um, than maybe these companies would like. Um, I think you know you've seen uh, Flutter and Stars that that tie up is you know the, the the industry's still consolidating. I think there could be more consolidation. Um, ahead, I, I just worry about you know it, it is essentially an industry that is entirely at the whim of of government policy, as we saw in the US all those years ago. Before we before we started recording, you mentioned you know it was it was actually the, under Tony Blair that that that, that gambling was really sort of liberalised in the way it was in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, who knows what the next government will do? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think there there definitely is always going to be regulatory sort of overhang um, for the sector. Um, but it makes it makes good return. Mm. There is there is a strange ESG angle here as well. I mean, obviously, you would immediately, I immediately assume, and 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 one would that that what's the what's the good in gambling? But the, but there is an argument that uh, a spokesperson for GVC put forward when we spoke to them said, look, basically, if you don't have a regulated gambling industry, people just go to the black market. So that's it, and that's what's happened in the US, and it's been you know the US sports betting market has been dominated by the mafia. 
um, and organized crime. And if and if these online restrictions that this par- whole, parliament, whole parliamentary group wants to see, you just push it offshore. You just have sort of black market websites that are based in wherever. Trading with Bitcoin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe you're, maybe uh, Bitcoin has a role to play. Bitcoin off there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. It just goes to show these issues are really actually not that black and white at the end of the day. The same, the same is true of, of, of uh, marijuana, which you wrote about before. It's, uh, yeah, and you can see that going the same way. That's sort of liberalisation you see in Canada, um, liberalisation for medical use, certainly in the UK and in, and in Europe, and maybe even going the full the full the full uh, nine yard I'm skeptical, nine yards, but... whatever it says the same. <laughs> um, why you why what what makes you skeptical? I just don't I don't know I don't know which government's gonna have the uh, the cojones as it were <laughs> to actually do it. I, I I don't think it's a very popular hobby, you know. I mean not not amongst people that do it obviously, but but you know the the, the sort of general consensus is it's not a good thing. Yeah it would and, and so, so it could be politically it, damaging for whoever decides to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's it would seem odd when there's growing restrictions on um, sugar, on smoking, mm. normal tobacco, um, alcohol with you know uh, max uh, minimum unit pricing in Scotland, for example. There's there's all this how's pressure. Work? How's that working out? I, I heard they were drinking more. <laughs> it, it's yeah, probably. I, yeah. I have no comment on Scots drinking. <laughs> you only like the good stuff anyway. Talisker, I think it was. Talisker, yeah, that was a, a fine, a fine one. Yeah, funny. I saw you tweet that. Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I, I was in just Scotland. opened a bottle at the same time oh, really? of the same whiskey. It's, uh... You got to be careful though, because they do these sort of Talisker Sky, Talisker Storm, and all this, and you you just want the original. It was the same one. Yeah, definitely the same one. Um, should we uh, should we talk about something rather more mundane, uh, which is uh, UK retail? I say mundane. <laughs> I hit my head on the table. Should we start with Marks and Spencer? Yeah. Yeah, Marx is. I mean, uh, shares have really, really off the back of that update. So it's a terrible update in many ways. Um, profits down seventeen percent, I think. Um, it's having a mare of a time trying to get its clothing, particularly clothing, but clothing and home um, combined. I mean, you know, they're, they're eighteen months behind the turnaround on that, as they admitted a month ago at the Cattle Markets Day. Clothing, clothing and home division sales down seven point eight percent in the. Uh... Five point five, like for like. So they're even on the you know the like for like. If the close, if they're closing all these stores, like for likes ought to be doing a bit better than that. Mm. So yeah, it's 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 really pretty grim. But I think investors latched on to um, the fact that it doesn't seem to be getting much worse. And, it, and, the, and the October, the October, um, the October sales are good. I think also they've had this rights issue. So although I and many others have said that it was a very expensive deal to get involved with Ocado. Well, well the right issue was to fund this. And that's what the, yeah. Which you've also written about this week. I did, yeah. Just yes. the CAM. <laughs> um, I mean, we, I think we share, we share the same opinion. Yeah, and it, it's, it's expensive, but. Now that that rights issue has been completed and the shares are where they are, as a result, largely as a result of that, as well as poor performance and so on, you're at a level now where you can sort of accept that that's 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 that money's gone. So now the share price is maybe looking a bit more attractive. Mm. And what's the what's the PE? I mean, the PE ratio is almost meaningless here. Looking at it, uh, given it's essentially now a recovery story. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I remain unconvinced. I remain unconvinced because I, I, I just feel that it's completely lost its way with its mm. with its with its 
clothing offering. I, Absolutely. I don't think yeah. it know, knows who it's trying to sell to anymore. No, it doesn't. It can't get the sizings right. I mean, Steve Rowe, I think, is now taking tactical control of clothing. He, he was He's... the food guy originally, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, which is good, which is a good business. Yeah. and and But the problem, as I think we're saying about the Ocado deal, the problem with the food business is that people are not set, people are not minded to shop, to do their big weekly shop with Marks and Spencers. Yeah, with uh, basket size, 14, 14 quid. quid roughly. Um, which doesn't uh, even get you a bottle of Talisker. Might <laughs> <laughs> get you one of those little, a little, the little miniature one. one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Ocado's basket size now is £108. Yeah, that's quite... And cool. obviously that people, if, if people just don't think about it and just continue on the Ocado platform, Marks and Spencer's basket size will naturally uh, inflate because they'll, they'll start doing the shopping there. But I, I worry that people will switch to, to Waitrose. Yeah. I mean, I don't go into Marks and Spencer's and think, I want to do my weekly shop here. You know, it's, it doesn't feel like that kind of store. It's a no. place you pop into when you need a loaf of bread or, you know, you've Bronze forgotten. Yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I don't know. Again, it feels like a sort of somewhat, something of a mismatch between the M&S brand mm-hmm. and the customers it's trying to attract to do big weekly shops there. It yeah. doesn't feel like that kind of place. I know. I don't, I don't think, I think it's, and it's not got the value element that I think when you look at the way how well the discounters are doing. And when you look at Sainsbury's uh, Q2 numbers, which we've just seen, where it's actually grown food sales, but because it's massively discounting, I think, you know, people are, are value conscious now at the moment. And, and I don't see how Marks can really get into that space. No. So, the, the, the time I, when I pop into Marks and Spencer's when it said it's busiest is just before closing on a, on a sort of Sunday at about four o'clock when the yellow stickers are out in force. <laughs> <laughs> you do see people filling up uh, trolleys at There's that a point. a scrum at the, at the end of the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. But no, I mean, just, you know, it supports the point that, yeah, even Marks and Spencer's shoppers can be value com- com- conscious. And uh, I think people are much more uh, picky, discerning, they'll, they'll, and they're prepared to do a bit of shopping here, a bit of shopping there in order to pick the best bits. And they might do the big shop at a Tesco or an Aldi or, or whatever. And they will pick up some some other items from Waitrose and uh, or Marks, but they're not necessarily going to do the big shop at these higher end uh, units. Yeah, we've got them on a sell. You've we've got had them. On a, sell. We've got them on a sell. We've had them on a sell for a while, actually. Yeah. Um, I just, I just I just the fact that the turnaround has taken so long to begin has it really begun? I'm not even sure it has. I think it's been going for. Well, yeah, it's been going in inverted <laughs> commas for for three years or something. I think. And uh, yeah, I just, I just, I struggle to see it's you know it's, it's turning a super tanker. Yeah, uh, and the, and the food side, uh, food clothing side of things, I've just, I oh, just yeah, think I, there's so much competition out there, and 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 you know so much sort of competition from people who know exactly the sort of demographic they're servicing. How does Marks and Spencer's uh, fight that off? Yeah, they, I think I think clothing in particular, they'd have to be a lot more radical. Um, I think I said. A few months ago that they need to bring in someone like a, a, a british designer maybe like chris bailey or someone maybe he's not the right guy but i this don't know side of you i didn't know really uh, yeah <laughs> the, well, the fashionista know, wilson yeah, that's me <laughs> burberry jackets and all that uh uh no my my i've got a, a muji jacket from about 15 years ago that's uh got holes in it <laughs> That's, that's... I, I'm no no fashion expert, but um... but they, they sort of did this a while back, you know, when they they, they launched the Peruna uh, brand, yeah. which was very popular. Yeah, I think they've, according to my wife, who who really liked that, that's lost its way as well. So, so something's not right. I think you're right. A radical sort of uh, mm. 
a radical rethink on the fashion front is what they what they need. But we could be waiting another way. With my help. <laughs> Should we talk about Sainsbury's that you uh, you briefly yeah. mentioned there? Because their their numbers are out today. They don't look pretty either. No, they don't. I mean, yeah, retail underlying pro- operating profit down ten percent. Um, retail margins down below three percent. But but just signs of life. I think flickering again because I think they've they've got that as the thing out of their heads, um, which is is no no bad thing because they need to focus on the core grocery again because that that was left to wither for a good twelve to eighteen months I think, um, and food sales up point six percent in Q two, having dropped point five percent in Q one. So, I mean, it doesn't sound like a very big number. It doesn't, but it, it's it's the it's the shift. And I and they they're obviously they're they're discounting a bit heavily maybe, um, but they are focusing and it sh- I think it shows that they're focusing again on the core grocery element of the business and trying to get that right rather than trying to get all flashy with an ASDA deal or the Argos deal which is which is good uh, or being being a positive I think on the whole, um, so yeah I, signs of life and and then you know the a big reason for for some of the problems. So lower numbers today was the restructuring costs. I think about two hundred million quid. Um, what are they restructuring? Store closures, right? Yeah. right. Big store closures. Yeah, losing Argos, the big Argos units. Yeah, putting them into existing Sainsbury stores. Oh, oh Argos a while back now, though. I mean, that's taken. That's taken yeah. a while too. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sort of year when when their numbers looked amazing because because of the Argos lift. Um, but even that, I think. I mean, general merchandise, which is Argos, basically was down two and a half percent. But it is the laggard in in the sector amongst the big supermarkets. So obviously, Tesco under Dave Lewis, who has, has recently announced that he's he's going to retire, uh, and, and Morrison uh, have both done extremely well under new management. Uh, yeah. Sainsbury's has, has been left trailing. Yeah, and and uh, I think that management thing. I mean, we I think that many of us thought that Mike Coop would be for the chop after the ASDA debacle um or whether or not he walked or was pushed but we thought probably it was time for change but he's sticking to it so it looks like he'll be there for another couple of years to try and get this sort of core i think focus on the core grocery do, do you think do you think the answer thing made sense uh i mean scale wise yeah, yeah but it made sense for them <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but not... they, they just forgot that that the regulator might not see that see it the same way yeah yeah and then they started getting into sort of spats criticising the CMA whilst the process was ongoing, which just seemed crazy. Never criticise someone who's, uh, whose hands your future is in. Seems, yeah. uh, seems very foolish. Absolutely. Lots, uh, lots going on in the markets. I mean, it's, it's fairly quiet for results uh, still, but it's about, about to pick up. We've got some really interesting stuff uh, in the magazine this week on some of the US reporting stuff. So we looked at the fangs this week. Do you pay much attention to the US markets? And, uh, I, I, tech? I've had to uh, more lately, yes. But it, it, yeah, I, I look at some of it. I'm, not, I'm certainly not across the whole, the whole space. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a really interesting. We've, we've, all, we've launched a new feature in, in the magazine, it's the, what we call a news feature. So, mm. so looking a bit more internationally looking across across you know multiple markets particularly the US where where a lot yep. of the action is uh, we've done one on so we've done one on fangs and technology uh looking at kind of uh where, where there's some divergence between you know the strong and 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 those who are are suffering a little bit and uh, we've done one on banks as well although this one is very much UK first. US oh UK banks. yeah we, US. Uh, we yeah US banks US banks <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but UK banks look uh, like they're predicting a bit of a tough time ahead I think so. Yeah, yeah. They're. Um, I mean, they they were. They did really well when 
when uh, when we thought there was a Brexit deal on the way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now they seem much more uh, cautious in their outlook. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, it's it's going to be tricky for them. I think in the next eighteen months. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've taken a big whack on PPI again, which I don't think anyone was <laughs> expecting. Uh, but that's the thing. I mean, they they completely miscalculated that. Uh, you know, when you when you think of how much they've had to pay out versus what they thought initially, some accountant somewhere should be hanging their head in shame because they must have known. Well, they must have known how much they'd sold. How much they sold. <laughs> they just had no idea that people would actually claim it back. Yeah, well, the, the government was encouraging everyone to claim it back with uh, Arnie. mobile Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Deadline day was pretty pretty busy for these mm. guys, and uh, I think they're still processing them now. Yeah, so. but at least I guess at least that's over now. There won't be any more. Yeah, well, yeah, think there'll be another scandal, no doubt. Oh yeah, where's that going to go? <laughs> Who knows? Well, uh, ESG mis-selling. If Gina Miller is uh, be it, is yeah. correct, brilliant. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you for coming in. Pleasure. Um, hope you do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Um, let me just talk you all through uh, what else we've got in the magazine. Stock screen this week is looking at uh, genuine growth, and Algie Hall has done a big profile of YouGov, which I'd imagine is going to be pretty busy at the moment, trying to tell us all what's going to happen in the forthcoming election. Good luck to them. Probably getting it completely <laughs> <Yeah>. wrong. <laughs> the uh, sex focus is looking at diamonds. Uh, what's happening there? It's a, it's a, a very strange commodity. As Alex Haymu wrote it, tweeted early, 1,500 words, and he didn't even get to the uh, the risk of lab manufactured diamonds, which you can do. So, really? they, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a very strange thing. Lots in the news section. I've already mentioned the new news features that we've done. We've talked about the bookies uh, into, which is a big retail landlord, has had an absolute shocker. Cash call coming, big maybe, or, uh, or, or something along those lines anyway. Yeah, rights issues on the way, basically. But yeah, who'd want to be a retail landlord? Um, I think actually we've got we've got some other results next week from uh, from a lot more of the big REITs, uh, including uh, British Land, British, think, British Land, Land Securities. Yeah. I think are, are up next week. They're slightly different. They've obviously got a bit more of a a mixed portfolio. So so we're we're hopeful that that it doesn't look quite so bad. Uh, there's a great piece here about African swine fever. Uh, right. Yeah. I um. And, uh, if you're trading lean hogs, then that's uh, that's going to be important. I don't think many of our readers trade trade lean <laughs> hogs, but there are a number of shares that are exposed to this. In animal health, Gina, Seco Animal Health, and uh, Cranswick, which is obviously a big pork producer, mm-hmm. uh, which sells into China as well. Lots in the comments section. Mr. Bearball uh, updates the income portfolio. Chris Dillo, uh, the trader, Simon Thompson. Actually, if you'd listened to this podcast last week and acted on what we said, you would have made a hell of a lot of money. And, and Simon's updated the Mercia asset management story that we discussed last week. It's, uh, yeah. Off to a flight. It was a Woodford holding. Oh, right. With a big stock always, overhang. Always, yeah. always good for a laugh. That. Yep. Yeah, but it had a big stock overhang, and that, that basically cleared, as Simon said it would, and the stock just flew. So there you go. Uh, and as I mentioned, the cover feature, which is uh, which is defence. Whether you can stomach that or not is down <laughs> to you, but it's an, it's something that is exists. Uh, and actually, you know, given given what's going on in, in the world and... You know, we are seeing lots, lots of sort of geopolitical tension that we, you know, we perhaps sort of thought had gone away. You know, after the Cold War, it does feel really strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I, and the way that the way the industry going, it's just more and more money that's going to be required by governments because the, the more high tech it goes, the more money they'll be needing to plow into it. So I, I think, yeah, I think defence structurally well positioned I, I, yeah that's that's pretty much our view but you can read the feature and, <laughs> ah. and understand why um thanks again neil thank you all for listening the cover feature this week get defensive how to invest in rising military spending uh, pick it up on all good news agents or uh, get online and subscribe we'll be back again next week thank you <laughs>